Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Okay, hello, hello. Once again, I'm super excited to have our episode 10. Boy, time is flying, and we are still riding high in the new and noteworthy of the iTunes directory in three categories. Wow. So thank you. And browsers, just checking this out for the first time, I hope that you become subscribers. And I would really love to hear from anyone and everyone associated with what would you like to hear and learn about to become more awesome at your job. So you can drop me an email at pete at awesomeatyourjob.com or head on over to awesomeatyourjob.com slash contact for a number of fun ways to be in touch with social media or whatnot. So if you've got some drama at work, our guest today, Dennis McEntee, a.k.a. the Drama Free Guy, may be just the lifesaver for you. Today, we're going to learn about the Dennis system for avoiding drama. Anyone, that is an It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia reference, the Dennis system, a hilarious and wildly inappropriate episode which just creates drama instead of frees it. But no, this Dennis we're chatting with is going to share some really powerful takeaways associated with diffusing the drama that can show up in your workplace and your team environment. So some excellent takeaways there. And some of my favorites were, one, how to avoid the drama triangle roles of victim, blamer, and rescuer to instead become the creator. The terrible question that we should really stop asking if you want to short-circuit the drama before it starts. And on the flip side, the coaching question that inspires personal responsibility. To find this stuff, the show notes, the transcripts, and the summary links and items, you can find that at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep10. And now here's Dennis's story. Dennis McEntee is the author of The Eight Qualities of Drama-Free Teams, a Border Collie owner and a Boston Red Sox fan. He's the husband of Lisa McEntee, the most beautiful woman in America, and the father of four children. He has the pictures to prove it. Dennis travels the country helping leaders take the drama out of their organizations. While his passion is helping people win in the game of work and the business of life, he secretly grew up wanting to be a jazz trombonist. Dennis, thank you so much for appearing on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Oh my gosh, Pete, I'm so excited to be here. Oh, fantastic. Well, so you have a very impressive set of credentials. I'd love it if you could share maybe a little something that we won't read about you in the About the Author section. Oh man, okay, so the secret about Dennis McEntee that nobody knows is that I secretly always wanted to be a jazz trombonist and actually huh. got a full scholarship to music school went for a little bit and realized, man, I just don't want to practice eight to 10 hours a day. And that was that. So in my dreams, I've always wanted to be a jazz trombonist. Wow. That, that, that you exceeded my expectations. <laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's, now I'm, I'm out of the closet. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a jazz fan. Here I come. I've just come out of the closet. I'm a jazz fan. Do you still play the trombone for fun? No, no, I don't. And no. I really should. My kids wanted me to teach them and, the problem with a brass instrument is like, you know, once you stop, it's really hard to get back into it. And then I remember what I was and then what I am now. And I just, I'm discouraged and I'm, I'm on to other things right now. 
Okay, and it seems like you are onto a lot of other things. You got this course launching, and so uh, thanks so much for taking time with us in the midst of, of all that. But the main thing that I thought you would have to share with these folks, awesome at your job type people, is your book, The Eight Qualities of Drama-Free Teams. Uh, I, I loved it when you, you gave it to me over at Michael's Place, and we had a good chat about it. And so I, I'd love to hear kind of the scoop kind of in your own journey. How is it that you came to find an interest in the drama-free team stuff and, and an expertise along the way? Well, I, I think it's maybe like every author and every speaker is that we tend to develop content where we're trying to like get the victory in. Mm. You know, pe- people usually aren't honest about that, but typically that's usually how it works. So I, I kind of think of myself as like, you know, I've spent years being a drama king, oh. you know, and, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, you play the victim, you know, there's nothing you can do. You feel like you have choice poverty. You don't have a choice. You say things like, well, I have to do this or I should do this. And it's it's victim terminology. So I played the victim. And then and then I also I also played, you know, the blamer where it was this person's fault and that person's fault and really didn't accept responsibility for my life. I kind of always blamed, you know, my present on my past and sort of minimized the role that I had to play, you know, in each thing. It's, you know, Pete, it's sort of like, you know, my, my wife asked me the other day. I wanted to drama a little bit into the drama zone and I was just complaining to my wife. It's like, well, this client, this and that client, this, and then this person, that, and then this person, that. And she said, Dennis says, stop for a minute. She says, is there one common denominator in each of these stories? And I thought, common denominator. Mm. I said, no. <laughs> she says, well, was there one common person? Common <laughs> person. Com- no. And, and this is just like, hit me. She's like, you dummy. You know? And so I think we, we tend to do that. We kind of minimize our role because even though people maybe you know, they do things that we can't control, but, you know, I chose to be in relationship with that person. That's my choice. Or even worse is that I, I was, I was a great rescuer where I came in and saved the day and solved people's problems. And then I was mad about it and felt used and abused and codependent. So it really is probably a story truthfully about just my own journey about um, taking responsibility and being able to take control and back on my life. Well, thanks for, for opening up there. Now, you use these terms, victim, blamer, rescuer, that's, that's ringing a bell. Is that, is that a Dennis original or are you, you borrowing that for some social work stuff? Uh, like a triangle of something. It's I've heard of the this. Drama, yeah, it's the drama triangle. The drama triangle. OMG. Yep. So it's, um, it's taken right from there, some of that great work. And so um, those, are, those are really kind of the three, the three roles people play when they fall into, uh, into drama. And it really is a lack of a, I mean, people not feeling like they have a choice. It's people that are responsible. They feel like they have an abundance of choices. People mm. that are into drama, they feel like they have no choice. And so it's really just about helping people and teams like sort of take back control and uh, and see the choices that they can make. Oh, that that's lovely. So now if, if a victim, blamer, and rescuer is what I don't want to be, is there a name of, sort of for a role that I do want to be? You want to be a creator, man. Oh, you I do. You want to be a I creator. Do. You do. You do. You you want to create new possibilities and create new solutions. And so you can either be, you know, full of drama or you can be a creator. All right. Well, that sounds like I want that. Can you tell us what's kind of the the, the protocol or, or pro tips or best practices for making that transition? And I don't know if there's three different prescriptions, whether you're a victim, blamer, or rescuer, or, or how do we make that leap? Here's the thing. I, I sort of think that you play all three roles like all at the same time if you're not careful. Mm. You know, so it's like something happens and you say, oh, why does this always happen to me? Poor victim. 
Well, if Pete would have just given me the information on time, I started playing Pete. Uh-huh. Well, now I got to step in and fix it all and save Pete. And I become the rescuer. So within seconds, I played all three roles. I think if you fall into one, you fall into all three. But let's just talk about one solution. Okay. All right. And, and probably the, the, biggest, the biggest reason why people go into drama is it starts with a question. And it typically goes like this. Why? Oh, why? Dennis, why do you always do this? Dennis, why do you always stick your foot in your mouth? Dennis, why do you always think you can do more than you can do? And honestly, Pete, why is a horrible question? Because there typically is never an answer. So, okay. so I think you have to step back and watch the questions that you tell yourself. Because the questions you tell yourself determine the thoughts you think, which determines the feelings you have, which determines your actions, which determines your results. So I call that quit far, Q-T-F-A-R. So if you want to change your result, you got to change your question. So typically, our results with teams and working with people are based on the questions that we ask. In fact, even, you know, Pete, think about this. It's like, you know, something happens and I say, well, Pete, why did you do that? Well, what's your first natural reaction when I say that to you? <laughs> I want to come up with a great reason for why I did that to stick yeah, it to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're like, Mac and T, it's because you're this and this. That's why. Right. It's like you immediately become defensive. And let's just be honest at our core, Okay do I really, really want to know why you did that? Or do I just want a different behavior? Typically, yeah. I just want a different behavior. Certainly. I really don't want to, you know, and because I, I don't want to hear all of your past and all of your garbage and all of your, like, how your mother didn't, you know, change your diaper when you're five years old. And you know what I mean? It's like, if you want to dig down, that's probably why some kind of an emotional issue when you were, you know, under 12. So we, we ask a bad question, we're going to get bad results. So I teach people, like, if you want to get out of the drama, you got to change the question. So instead of asking why, here's two power questions. It starts with what or how plus I plus an action. So something happens. And the question you need to ask is like, okay, what can I do to fix this? How can I make this a little bit better? What's one thing I can do today to improve this situation? And so changing the question really, it, it changes your mind frame which really changes the results, it changes your actions and the results you get. So it, probably the, the power way to get out of drama very quickly is just change the question. Oh, I think that's fantastic. And I, and I think you're, as you're tapping into this here, I'm thinking that some people don't, they want the drama. They enjoy like that. That's satisfying for them to roll around in it. And so it's like, you've given us the, the prescription, the answer, the solution to drama. But I think there's like a matter of like will or attachment to the drama. Well, yeah, you know, a little bit. And here, here's the deal. The major gift that people can give is that they can give feedback to others. So uh, Mm -hmm. maybe I I liken it to kind of like this. Let me say it this way. So when I first got married, I've been married for, we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. this year. Congratulations. Yeah, my wife has made it through with me. I mean, man, she stuck it out. Well, you're so drama free. It must. It was probably easy, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, just. Uh, it, it's sort of like when somebody asked my wife one day. She says, "Man, it must be really motivational being married to Dennis." And she looked at it, kind of rolled her eyes, said, "Yeah, real motivation." <laughs> so I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. But it, but it is. You know, it, it's like our spouses really. They know the real us. But but I'll never forget. It was like we were first married, and my personal culture, my family culture is that uh, I came from Loudland, and we believe that, you know, he who yelled the loudest wins the argument. And if you uh-huh. can stain the yelling, then you win. And my wife came from Quietland, and where they just didn't talk about hardly anything. And I'll never forget, we went to a family reunion. We're about a year being married. And she pulled me aside about an hour after an hour. And she said, Dennis, she says, do you guys hate each other? 
what's going on? <laughs> and I was like, what? What are you talking about? She goes, you're, all, you're yelling. I go, we're not yelling. But it was like, here's the thing. Be, to me, that culture was normal. Yeah. But I needed some awareness and somebody outside of my, of my structure to go, hey, this is not normal. And here, let me show you. So it was like, it wasn't until like I got some awareness that I couldn't change it because it's like, we can't change what we can't see. Mm. And so I, I think you're absolutely right. There is a portion of like people, it's like, if you've grown up in it, because how you do anything is how you do everything. So it's like, I, I take me to work, I take me home. I, and so if I'm a drama king at home, you know, I don't all of a sudden show up at work and be drama free. It's like, I need some people to show me a different culture. Mm. I think that's the big job of leaders is to help give their team awareness on behavior. All right. I've got so much I want to dig into there. I think about Kelly Kapoor from The Office, who just uh, loved the drama. If if you ever saw that show, and she once said to her boyfriend, you just say whatever is on your mind. What kind of twisted game is that? (laughs) (laughs) And so... Okay, that was fun. I had to share. So a lot of good stuff here. So I'm thinking a little bit about, so so that question, can we hear it again? I'm imagining, because I'm also looking at the back of your book, the one coaching question that causes people to take personal responsibility sounds like that one. Can we hear it again? Oh, you want to hear that one? That's a different one. Oh, it's a different one. Okay, well, I'm glad oh, I asked. Man. Well, yeah, now, now you're getting two strategies here. Okay. So <laughs> go for broke. So yeah, no, you're doing great. You're doing great. So so here, here's a great coaching question to use with your team is that, uh, you know, when something happens or they bring you a problem or they tell you about a situation, you just look at them and go, okay, so what would you like to do about that problem you have? <laughs> what would you like to do about that problem you have? Now, now listen, I'm not now, taking we'll, it. <laughs> well, well listen, here's, here's the deal. This actually is a very, it's a, it's a great question because it assumes a couple things. First of all, I assume that you're a very powerful person. You're not a victim, Pete. You can solve your own problems. So I want to know, you know, what are you going to do about that problem you have? And it also puts the ownership of the problem where it needs to be. It's on you. Now, I can co-create with you, but what are you going to do about that problem you need? And here's the thing. It's like that drama typically lives in the fog. You know, there's this fog of either expectations or attachments to outcomes or, or whatever they happen to be. And part of the job of the leader is just to bring clarity. So I, I've got a friend who pastors a super large church in the, in the Metroplex area in Dallas. And I was talking to him a couple of weeks ago and I, and I said, I said, man, I said, tell me like, what, what's the big problem you face? And he said, Dennis, he said, it's the fight for focus. It's the fight for clarity and the fight for focus. He said, that's the biggest battle. He says, focus for myself, for my team, for my leaders. He said, across the board, everywhere, it's the fight for clarity. And, and it's so true. When things become clear, drama leaves. Mm-hmm. I buy it. Well, buy the book, man. Everybody go buy the book. <laughs> Trying to send kids to college. Go it's buy certainly, books. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> well, 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 hey, that worked out well. I'm just going to keep the strategy going. So tell me while we're at it, uh, a proven feedback formula that creates behavioral change. Okay. So... One thing you can't do, let me give you a, an idea. One thing you can't do is, is it's very hard to, to tell people about themselves. Okay. Very hard to tell people about themselves. Like, you know, Pete, you're just lazy. <laughs> Typically, that doesn't go well, well right? Pete, you're, all, you know, you're late and you're lazy and you don't care. Typically, oh. that doesn't go real well. Remember, your job is to give awareness. So the purpose of feedback 
is not to give people your opinion. The purpose of feedback is to give awareness. So here's, here's a neat little feedback question you can ask. It's like when action, whatever happened, when action. So like, you know, Pete, when you didn't show up on time, how do you think you showed up? How do you think you showed up? Like when the appearance action, that you gave off, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Because here's what people don't realize is that their behavior produces consequences. Their oh. behavior produces a result. That's it. That's all behavior does is produces a result. And so you got to get aware of what is the behavior and what is the result it produced. If you can't get people to that point, you can't help them change. The great feedback question works well is like, you know, when something happens, when action, how do you think you showed up? Mm-hmm. And, and so just to be clear, you showed up means how did you appear to others or how did you show up means, could you unpack that phrase a bit? It's a nice way to say, what has your behavior produced? What is the in, what's the result? Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, you know, Pete, you you didn't show up and didn't call us and tell us you were going to be late. What do you? It's like, you know, what do you think the result was? What do you think happened this past hour? Okay, no, I like it. And so, in, in a way, I think it's it's good stuff in that it it gets folks challenged to think and visualize and connect the the result to their action, which is fantastic. I'm wondering if I'm on the receiving end of that, well, I guess, you know, beggars can't be choosers. I was the one who screwed up in this scenario, but I'd be like, ah, you're, you're patronizing me. You're talking to me like I'm a child. What do you think? Well, did you act like a child? (laughs) Yes, I did. Dennis, I did. No, No, you know, um, (laughs) here's the thing. You know, if you feel like a child, guess whose feeling that is? Your feeling. And truthfully, I can't make you feel like a child. You choose to feel like a child. Now, if you tell me, well, are you patronizing? You make me feel like a child. Oh, now we got a different problem. Now we're not even on the feedback problem. We got to set that problem aside and dig after a deeper problem. Because now all of a sudden you think that I can make you feel. Holy cow. I am totally in control of you, Pete. I can make you feel like a child. Here I go. Ready? So now we have a deeper problem. Yeah. So you just, you know, I, I think you gotta, you gotta be careful to, uh, you know, make sure you're solving the right problem. And, and that's where like, you know, people can be sneaky when you work with them a little bit, you know, they, they, they deflect and misdirect and, you know, say crazy things and then you chase it. And so I don't think you'll ever be able to stop at times the drama because you can't control people, but you can absolutely stop your drama. Yeah. And so if, if things happen and you react out of that anger, that that's your deal, you know? And if somebody says, well, you make me feel like a child and I chase that and I, you know, I follow that rabbit trail, all of a sudden I've entered the drama right in there with them. Mm-hmm. And so what's and, the, what's the best practice? I say, you make me feel like a child because you're patronizing me. <laughs> and what do you say? So yeah, boy, you're, you just, we're, we, we are going deeper and deeper. It's, it's a lot of fun. So <laughs> If you start to follow down down that road, okay, here's here's where drama comes. Drama is typically a tragic expression of an unmet need. All right. It's an unmet need, but people don't even know what they need. And so I would just look at them and go, Pete, what, help me understand, what do you need? Mm-hmm. What do you need? And then we just get clarity of needs, and we have a needs negotiation conversation, you know? 
in terms of what you're able and it's appropriate for you to provide and, and, and what uh, they're going to have to go elsewhere for? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that also helps you stop from being codependent. Because when I tell people that, it's like, I don't want leaders thinking that, man, they got to run around just meeting all of their team members' needs because that would be crazy. Right. You know, but you have to get clarity on what you as a leader need from your team. And they have to be clear on, okay, this is what, and give you the feedback. This is what I need from you. And then have a needs negotiation conversation. And then you have to answer the question, how will we resolve conflict? You know, those are the three questions you have to ask if you want to create a drama-free culture in your team. As a leader, this is what I need. As a follower, this is what you need from me. And Pete, how are we going to resolve conflict? When we have conflict, what are the rules for, for doing it? I like so much of what you're saying, and you ju- it just sounds so, the word grown up comes to mind. Like, well, I, Yeah, I, th- I think we, you know, I think if we're not careful, we end up having like adult to child conversations in our teams. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to move to adult to adult conversations where I'm not telling you what to do. I mean, that, you know, I've got four kids. I don't need another kid to tell, some, tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we move to have adult to adult conversations where we clarify needs, clarify expectations. And just go produce awesome work. I love it. And so I'm thinking now, as I imagine the landscape of of people I know and have interacted with, there's probably a a reasonable segment of folk who who aren't going to get on board with a drama-free culture. What do you say to that? Uh, You know what? There absolutely will. And, And that's when you have the opportunity, you know, once the expectations are defined, then you have the opportunity to free people's future. Oh, that you sounds know, great. Free their you know, future. Let them, yeah, just free their future. And it's like, hey, you know, after today, your future is for you free. It's bright. You can work anywhere else you want to work. You just can't do it here. You can do whatever you want. Just can't do it here anymore. Now, now I don't want any leaders listening to this and like walking into the team and just firing everybody. <laughs> okay. You teach what you know, but you produce who you are. So if it's in your team, I, I would challenge you that it might be in you. And, you know, your leadership has possibly created some of that drama, you know, because sometimes people listen to me talk and they go back and go, I'm going to just fire all my team and start all over. Well, I mean, the problem with that is, is that once you get a new team, it'll probably happen again because it's, you know, it's something in your leadership. Mm. So it, it starts with you, you know, as, as the leader. And I always think if it's, if it's in my culture, in some way, I have probably allowed it because you, the culture you create really de- generates the results that you want to produce. Understood. So, well, well, these have been so fun, and I could just really think about and and, and swim in these ideas for a while, and, and I hope uh, listeners do as well. So, you tell me, is there anything else you want to make sure you you get out there before we shift gears into the fast faves? I uh, no, this is um, this has been great. I just I just want to challenge leaders to you know really look at themselves first and, you know, and work on you first. Cause when you get better, your business gets better. Perfect. So, so now let's, let's dig in a little bit. Can you tell me a rapid fire about a first favorite quote, something that inspires you again and again? Winston Churchill said the price of greatness is the acceptance of responsibility. Oh, thank you. And how about a favorite study, any piece of research or experiment that you find yourself thinking about or referencing often? So I'm a big fan of Patrick Lencioni and just anything oh, yeah. that he writes. So that's probably, you know, my favorite author. Well, next up, I was just going to ask about a favorite book. Is there a Patrick Lencioni book you'd point to? Is there something else you'd like to reference? Oh, I'm going to reference the Bible. Oh, 
that's probably my all-time favorite book. Perfect. I love it. And how about a favorite uh, website or online resource? www.dennismackenty.com. Oh, <laughs> you know? well, I love it. We're going to give you a shot at it oh, at the end. But... Yeah. Um, oh gosh, there, there are just so many, so many. So, so here's here's a guy that um, I'm really connected with that would be good for your audience to know, and that is Ray Edwards, and he's at rayedwards.com. So oh, go I've check heard his out podcast, Ray. the Ray Edwards Show. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, so Ray, Ray's a good friend of mine. So uh, I, I I follow everything that Ray does. And how about a favorite habit, any personal practice you've adopted that's been particularly game-changing for you? Exercise every single day. Every single day. Don't miss a day. Cardio, strength, morning, evening? Cardio. I do some strength, but cardio. I need the endorphins. So um, so a, a lot of cardio. And uh, one goal I have this year, I'm going to throw it out there to your audience. I'm running a half marathon this year. Oh, good luck. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks. Oh, I've done it once, and and it was good. I enjoyed it, and half was enough for me. Yeah, that's that's what I say. I I don't think I want to do the full. How about any favorite tools, whether it's a, a gadget or software, hardware or thought framework you find yourself leaning on often? Oh gosh, my iPhone. <laughs> Absolutely, favorite app on the iPhone we should know about. Oh, favorite app on the iPhone. Gosh, I don't know. I mean, not. Not that anything else, anybody else would ever like. Everybody's got the same apps. Yeah. Um. You know, I use Waze. W a z e. Oh, that's good. So, so that's my favorite travel app is Waze. It's it's actually my new favorite tool, and the American Airlines app. I use that all the time. Oh, good. How about a favorite time saving trick? Any uh, tactics or, or things you do to get so much done? Yeah. So I um. I carry a little book about the size of my wallet around with me every day. And at the beginning of the day, I ask myself, what are the six actions or what, what makes a perfect day? I write out those six things. I take my inbox to inbox zero, clear it out. And then I never open email the rest of the day. And I work from that small little list and I'm crazy productive. Oh, that's good. How long does it take to hit inbox zero each day? Oh, but three minutes, three, three minutes. Yeah. Three minutes. I just parse my emails, turn them into action items. I don't work out of my email. Oh, I see. I'm with you. I don't work out of my emails in action. I turn it into Mm -hmm. an action item, put it in a trusted system. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, the GTD system. I thought this feels very David Allen. Yeah. It's it's a a little, uh, it's a little David Allen ish, but I haven't, I'm not, I'm not so cultish with it though. (laughs) Well, cool. Thank you. How about a favorite uh, truth bomb or a, a little nugget when you share, you see uh, heads nodding and it gets tweeted and, and people start taking notes in a rush? Oh, my gosh. I didn't know this was coming. The thing that just pops up to me is the culture you create produces the results you want. Okay. I love it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe one. That's one. I, 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 I feel like I have hundreds of zingers. I'm not sure. We, you know, that might be my favorite, but it's probably not anybody else's favorite. Well, I got a real kick out of how you're saying something kind of profound and forceful with a bit of a question. <laughs> yeah, you like that? It's, I it, really it, do. It, yeah, it's, it, it's a different technique. You know, not everybody can pull it off. Oh, how about a favorite way to find you? If you want to learn more about you and your offerings, should we go to your, your website or Twitter, email? What, what's the best way? 
you know, check out DennisMcEntee.com is probably okay. the best way to uh, to keep in touch with me. And you can look at my books and online course and audios and all that fun stuff. And do you have a favorite challenge or parting a call to action you'd like to leave folks with who are seeking to become more awesome at their jobs? Yeah, you know, I just want to remind people that when you get better, your business gets better. And I just want to encourage everybody to, you know, remember your professional life flows from your personal life. And if your personal life is a mess, it's going to be a, it's going to show up in your professional life. So things like your spiritual life, your finances, your health, your marriage, your relationships. I just want to encourage everybody to take a look at some of the personal issues and make sure that, you know, you're doing the right things at home because work can sort of be a rubber ball that when it's dropped, it always kind of bounces back. But some of the personal issues are a glass ball. And if you drop a glass ball and it breaks, it's gone forever. So I just want to encourage everybody to, to get better personally because it'll show up professionally. All right, perfect. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for appearing on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Uh, this has been a ton of fun, and I, I wish you lots of luck. Hey, thank you. It was great. Okay, well, I hope that was a couple of useful, helpful paradigm shifts coming for you there. And again, if you want to check out the transcript and the notes and the items of things referenced here, you can find that at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP10. That's the letters E-P and then the number 10. Thanks and have a good one. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.